You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Good day, Oilers fans. Hope you're doing well. Connor Halley here with The Other Connor Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. It's that time of the year again. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid, while the top teams are preparing for what they hope is a long run, and DraftKings is giving all customers a free Shot at up to $100,000 in total prizes. And all you have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks. Download the DraftKings app, head to their free-to-play pools page, and enter the DraftKings free $100,000 tournament seating pool. Free-to-play pools are easy to play. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think will get a ticket into March's biggest tournament. If you have the most answers correct, you win. The bank is open. Plus, don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend taking place in Florida where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Trust me, I've done that a few times. It is very simple. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings Tournament Seating Pool. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. And on Tuesday's edition of the Other Connor Podcast, I said the madness. And it was the Edmonton Oilers losing a few games to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They bounce back. They win one against the Flames. Then they win another against the Sens. And then on Wednesday night, they put on an absolute clinic, beating up on the Ottawa Senators 7-1, to a team that they take on once again on Friday evening. And for the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, that was just a game for me where I thought they went out there and just showed how dominant they can be. Of course, Leon Dreisaitl, five points, three goals in that one. Connor McDavid, a few helpers there. And just a real strong performance from the Oilers. It would have been nice, of course, if Mike Smith could have got the shutout. But what can you do? You, you know, you'll take the victory. You'll take the one goal against and move on. And the two teams meeting once again. And it, it is crazy because on the last Friday edition of the show, we were coming off well. we'll Probably most definitely go down as the low point in the Edmonton Oilers season. Three straight losses to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we kind of had to pinch ourselves and remind ourselves that, hey, that was the Leafs. That's probably the best team in the North Division. Those things might happen. Move on and see what happens when you guys meet again. And since then, the Oilers have not lost, and now they have a chance to make it four straight when they take on the Ottawa Senators Friday night. Then they're right back in action up against the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. So a busy, busy weekend for the Edmonton Oilers. The upcoming weeks are actually very busy. So uh, a good chance to go on a bit of a run here and for the Oilers playing some good hockey. Good sign for them. The uh, GM of this team, Ken Holland, spoke to the media on Thursday as well. Uh, some things that came out of that press conference, obviously an update on Oscar Clefbaum saying that he will undergo shoulder surgery later this month in Cleveland and then we see what happens after that. And when he spoke to the media earlier on in the season, he talked about, you know, on a very personal level, how one day he wants to be able to hold his kids and pick them up. And I think for a lot of people that hit home. So for Oscar Kleppbaum, I think the best thing you can do right now is be patient. Let him undergo the surgery. Let him rehab and see if he can play. Because he's 27 years old. There's so much more to his life than hockey. And he's got to decide what he wants to do. I think he's made about $19 million in his career. So assuming he's, you know, been responsible with his money, he doesn't need the game. So let's, let's give it some time and see what happens. But Oscar Kleppbaum will undergo shoulder surgery 
later this month in Cleveland. The other big story from his presser was Ryan Nugent Hopkins and a little bit of an update on what's going on with a potential contract extension. I'm going to play that clip right now. Don't have a deal to announce. Uh, announce. I, um, I have been in contact with his agent, Rick Follette, and you know, I just think, Ryan, when you look around the league with the pandemic, um, the flat cap, obviously, it, it appears it's going to be flat for the next, I think Gary Bettman, if I'm not mistaken, said uh, recently in the last couple of days, you know, it's going to be flat here for the next three, four years. Um, it's, 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 it's trying to find a solution that works for the player and also makes good sense for the team. It's a different... Um, sort of a new marketplace. So I think that's all added up to um, uh, the slowness of the market. And in, you know, in Ryan's case, again, I, 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 I would like to have him as part of our team going forward, but, it, but a deal has to make sense for both sides. And again, there's an unknown here because uh, we've never been here with a flat cap for uh, looking, looking forward for the next few years and how, and how it's going to affect the decisions that everybody makes um, in this league. So some good signs coming from that is that he and Ryan Nugent Hopkins' agency have spoken. There is communication, but I don't think there's any rush for them to sign a deal. Obviously, the flat cap is going to be causing problems for some teams. You don't really know how much they're going to be able to spend. So if I'm Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I test free agency. Why not? You know, it, it'd be the first real time that you've had a chance to do so. Go see what the market is. See what it is and see if the Oilers can match it. I know the Oilers fan base absolutely loves Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think we can all say that you want to see him back with the Oilers next year, but the contract has to be right. And if it's going to be between six and seven million dollars, I think the Oilers jump. If there's a team out there that's willing to throw a buttload of cash in Ryan Nugent Hopkins direction, I think he might have to look at that and consider it, but he's been here for so long. He's been here through the dark ages. I think everybody wants to see him go on a nice long playoff run with the Oilers and hopefully hoist Lord Stanley. So we'll see if that happens down the road, but uh, good to hear from the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, Ken Holland, today. Thank you for the Oilers for posting that on their YouTube channel. We grabbed that quick snippet there, and if you want to go hear the whole thing, check out the Oilers on YouTube. They've got it all there. They do a great job, actually, of putting all their, their audio up on the, the YouTube. Wow, I sound old saying that, the YouTube. The audio's all there. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. On the show today, we are going to talk to Reed Wilkins. He, of course, the host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey on 6.30. Ched, 6 to 8, Monday through Friday, if you want to give him a listen. We're going to talk to Reed about how he got his start in the media business, thoughts on the team this year, and what does the future look like for the Edmonton Oilers. And we're also going to talk to Michaela Schreider. She is a co-host of That's What She Said on TSN 1200 out in Ottawa. You can give her a follow on Twitter, at Shreeds on Twitter. And uh, we're going to talk to her about the Ottawa Senators. Of course, I think Oilers fans have a little bit, I don't want to say pity, but they understand what the Sens are going through. Of course, their rebuild is going on right now. They've got some really nice young pieces similar to what the Oilers had maybe a decade ago. For their sake, you hope it's not as long as a rebuild and they don't have to rely on a generational talent ending up with their team, some kid who's, you know, 14 years old right now. But they are starting to figure things out. They're picking up some big wins. They just can't get it done against the Oilers. And good news for the majority of the people listening to this, those two teams meet once again on Friday night. We're going to talk to Michaela later on in the show. But let's start things off with Reed Wilkins. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. He is the host of Inside Sports, as well as Oilers Hockey on 630 Ched. Reed, welcome to the Other Connor Podcast. How are you doing today? 
I, I'm doing well. Is this John Connor from the Terminator universe? I, that's the only other Connor I know about besides McDavid. The, the other oh. other Connor. Oh, okay, it's the other other Connor. Okay, not, I know who this is not Thanks. McGregor, not any other Connors out there. <laughs> the, yeah, the other Connor just was a little easier than the other 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 Connor. So we went with that one just to keep it compact. But uh, Reed, I really appreciate you doing this today, talking a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers and uh, quite the win on Wednesday evening against the Ottawa Senators. But first, as I do with every member of the local media that joins me here on the show, I got to ask you about your background. And, and I mean, did you always want to get into media? Was it always covering sports? What you into the broadcasting world oh that's a good question yeah i like even as uh i, I don't want to say like as a little kid because i can't remember back that far and I, I probably didn't have any idea what actually having a job was like but certainly even i would say in junior high i was interested in in broadcasting and maybe doing something in the media and yes sports related um i mean i didn't at that time know specifically uh, what it would be. Um, but yeah, definitely it was always something that interested me. Now, I didn't pursue it initially with my post-secondary studies. I did go to, to, uh, to university first. I went to the U of A and then I had, uh, as people from my generation call it my Mick job for a while. I don't know if the millennials <laughs> still call it that, but as, as I talk about on air, uh, probably too often for a lot of people. And as I mentioned in my Twitter bio, I, I worked at Blockbuster Video <laughs> and decided, well, maybe I should get a job that's going to be a career. So I went to Nate in Edmonton and took the radio and TV program. And I actually specialized in television. And then uh, after that, I, uh, I, I got a, my first job was uh, in Lloydminster at what was then called CKSA. And it then became New Cap while I was out there. I think it's now owned by Stingray. And so there I did uh, both television and radio, though as – Though as the during the time I was there, they kind of cut back on some of the the radio stuff. So probably by the time I left, it was it was about ninety percent uh, uh, television. So that that's a very Coles Notes version of of the early parts of my career. But but I I, I mean I've always been a sports fan. But I mean that's not unusual for 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 a young male, I suppose, in Canada to be uh, to be a hockey fan. But always a big NHL fan. Always a big uh, Canadian Football League fan, which I hope I will get to be again this summer. And I think some of the people that I can remember admiring and listening to or watching when I was a kid growing up north of Evansburg, you know, certainly Rod Phillips being on the radio. Uh, John Short after games and his talk show, and then seeing Chris Cuthbert was an anchor on CBC. Uh, Gord Miller was there. Like who else? Al McCann was was an anchor. I'm probably missing some people, but uh, but those were were some of the people that that I kind of admired and thought were good and were were fun to watch or or listen to, and and I think kind of uh, got me interested in broadcasting too because I knew I wasn't going to be a pro player. At an early age, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of the same for me. Like by about middle of high school, realizing, okay, I'm not going to be playing sports. I got to find another way to stay in the industry. Broadcasting might as well be it. And I could probably ask you a ton of questions as well about the, uh, the blockbuster career because I know there's a new Netflix documentary coming out about it, which seems a little insensitive since they're the major reason blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. But, uh, we'll, we'll stay away from that one for now. So, uh, you get to 630 Ched. What did you start off doing there? Well, what did I start off doing here? Uh, well, I, I was actually there briefly when they opened uh, what was then called iNews 880 and is now Global News Radio. 
and they, they hired a whole bunch of people for that. Uh, so, but then I, I got a job at, at city TV and I was there almost two years. And then I went back to six thirty Ched and that, that was kind of the chunk in my, the middle of my career where I wasn't doing a lot of sports. I, I was doing primarily, uh, news and oh man, Connor, I, I did a little bit of everything. I, I kind of did some, uh, producing type stuff, uh, more on the news side and news reporting and then just anchoring on, on most, mostly on 880, I suppose, or, or on Ched as, as needed. And then I got back into sports when, uh, Oilers now came over to, to 630 Ched and Bob needed a producer and asked if I would be interested. And I said, well, yes, but I, you know, other, this is other people's decision if they're going to get to, to do this role. But, uh, the, luckily, uh, the higher ups said, uh, yeah, Bob, if you want him to, to produce, he's got a sports background and he can go do it. And like just weird things that happen. Like I, I first knew Bob while I was going Nate and I guess it would have been 98, 99. And I volunteered at CJSR just to do, intermissions or read scoreboards or do whatever I could to practice having a live microphone in front of me and just had a pretty good year with Bob. And we weren't, I I, I won't say we really stayed in touch, but occasionally we might run into each other and he knew what I was up to and I knew what he was up to. So kind of a connection really before my career even started, eventually, uh, you know, got me back into the, the sports side of things at Chet. And now you're on 6 to 8, Monday through Friday on Shed, the host of Inside Sports, as well as Oilers broadcast. So let's talk about the Oilers, and uh, that is the theme of this podcast. So it does make sense that we got there eventually. Uh, as this drops on Friday morning, uh, we now know that Ken Holland spoke on Thursday, uh, talked a little bit about Clefbaum and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but let's start with the Nuge and uh, your thoughts on what he said about potentially trying to, to work out a deal going forward. Well... I, I guess when I hear that, oftentimes I think, what are all the people who love the Nuge going to think? Because I know there are many of them. And I, I'm guessing that probably a lot of people are going to wish he was more committal about Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming back. And it, it wasn't – because, I mean, Ken's very careful when he talks. And he said he wants Nuge on the team. And I think we all recognize that Nuge is a pretty unique player because he can do a little bit of everything fairly well. And, and that'd be a pretty hard player to replace. But, you know, again, Holland said it's a, it's a flat cap world and the deal has to make sense for both sides. So I, I'm still pretty optimistic that he's going to be back because I think he wants to play here. And, and like I said, I think the orders realize how hard he is, is to replace. I, I, I mean, this may not happen until the off season. I don't know if we're going to see an extension announced in the middle of the season. Holland referenced that too. He's like, I really don't have any news for you until there's actually a, a news conference to, to announce something, which, <laughs> so you, you, you're just playing the waiting game, but I, I hope something can be, can be worked out because he's, he's a very beloved player. I've always got the sense from, from a lot of fans because he's, I mean, he's generally a good human being. I think he's liked by his teammates. He's a very, very good hockey player, and he's sort of that remaining connection to the terrible, terrible teams of the decade of darkness. And, and I think that he's somebody that, that fans can look at and say, what a reward it would be for Nugent Hopkins to play on an Oilers team that maybe can be a contender for a few years and maybe, maybe even even win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, I think Holland's being careful. I, I think there's the desire there for the relationship to continue. My concern is what he said about the flat cap and that the money might 
just not be able to go as high as perhaps RNH's camp wants. So with the flat cap, is there a number that stands out to you where you think, I mean, this is the max they could offer him without, you know, having to sacrifice other pieces to the puzzle? Well, probably seven million is like an absolute, absolute max. Um, and I mean, if you look at what some of the other players on the team make, that probably f- would fit in fairly, fairly well. I mean, I'm sure they'd like to get it done for for closer to six, and then Holland's decision is going to be, okay, are, are you going to lose this player or let him walk away for a quarter of a million dollars or, or half a million dollars, which, you know, isn't that much in the grand scheme of the salary cap, but, you know, it could help you add a, another depth player or something like that. So, I mean, and, and, and again, I don't think Nuge is wanting to make Leon Dry settle money or, or anything like that, but, hey, most most employees want to raise if they can get one, and I think they have to recognize uh, their their own value. So, you know, I think really we're talking about something that's going to be six point something. So hopefully the gap isn't isn't wide enough that it's going to be something where the, the two sides feel they have to break off talks about it. Reed Wilkins, the host of Inside Sports, joining me here on the Other Connor podcast. Uh, uh, Ken Holland also spoke about Oscar Clefbaum saying he was going to have surgery later in March in Cleveland. Uh, Obviously, I know he spoke a little while ago and, and had some, uh, I guess some really heartfelt words about the shoulder injury and the problems that it could present later on in his life. And, um, you know, it's something that's more than just hockey for him. Do you think, you know, obviously you're not a doctor, nor am I. We're in broadcasting for a reason, but do you think we see Oscar Clefbaum back on the ice, uh, in the next couple of years here? Uh, oh man. I think the fact that he's, getting surgery is good because I got the sense and and we've all heard his news conference that you referenced. Like he sounded like it sounded like he was really weighing on him, you know, Mm -hmm. like not just the hockey part, but the life part. So, you know, I think maybe if he didn't get surgery, that might be almost like, okay, I, I'm not going to bother getting it fixed just to play hockey. But from the way he decided the way he described the surgery, cause he used the word shoulder replacement a couple times. And I'm like, can you, can you play hockey with a new shoulder? I, I don't know. You know, uh, you know, Bo Jackson, I guess tried to play with a new hip um, football and baseball, but I, I, I can't say for sure that he's going to come back and play hockey because it sounded to me like he has a lot of concerns besides his hockey career. He's really thinking about his life, managing pain in his life, being able to do day-to-day things. And then I think it it sounded like if you're getting a surgery of his nature, that maybe you could get the surgery and it still wouldn't be good enough for you to play in the NHL. And, and look, he obviously was now the pandemic figured into this as he talked about traveling wasn't easy, but you know, he was obviously sort of mulling over the surgery and I'm going to say delaying it, not in a, like, I don't mean delay it, like, in a in a lazy sort of way, just in a way that I think he was really considering a lot of diff- different options. And then you throw in the travel restrictions on, on top of everything. So yeah, Connor, I, I can't say with certainty that he's going to be back in the NHL. I think the surgery is a good sign that he wants to be and that he wants to take another crack at it. But now with it happening in March, is he even ready for the start of the season? I mean, is this a November, December, or even January comeback if you're looking at eight to 10 months to heal? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's, he's 27 years old. He's got so much more life to live. He's got to do what's best for him, obviously, long term. Uh, I want to ask you about Tyson Berry, a guy who has 22 points now in the first half of this modified 2021 NHL season. He's really found his groove. I mean, is that a guy you look at as a long term replacement if, worst case scenario, Clefbaum's not quite ready? Oh, I, yeah, I think Tyson Berry's been great. And I know uh, Holland was asked about a contract there today and. You know, as usual, like GMs are great, right? Because they say a lot but to say nothing <laughs> sometimes. But... And Holland's the best at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he he is. He he is. He gives you he gives you a little bit, and he'll give you his thought process, but then he doesn't really give you a black or white answer, which I which I understand why he has to be careful. I, I think I think Barry's been excellent. I mean, one of the top scoring defensemen in the NHL. Um, I don't know if my prediction of the power play matching last year's percentage is going to be right. I was I was trying to be optimistic and have some fun with that, but he, but he's still pretty important on the power play. And we've seen now how much he can help five on five. And look at these two games against Ottawa. And yes, I know it's Ottawa, but but even some other games now, how he's getting involved in the cycle and on the rush and how he can pass and find players that uh, aren't easy to find. He seems to be gelling increasingly well with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Now, again, that's that's a contract number that is going to be tough and going to be a challenge to fit under the cap. But, uh, but, I mean, he is definitely a player. I mean, here's the thing. The Oilers and, and the fan base have been desperate for a right-shot offensive defenseman for a long time, certainly all the years I've been taking calls after games, and and now they have one. So I think if you have the opportunity to hang on to this guy, he seems to want to be here. I, I mean, he kind of referenced it when he signed in October that even when the Leafs season ended, he knew that he was out of Toronto, and he knew trying to come to Edmonton was a priority before he could even talk to anybody uh, about it. I, I just think he's 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 very valuable to this team, valuable to the way this team is structured. Yeah, I get it. I mean, people want to take knots at his def- at his defense. He's he's not going to be a defensive genius, but I don't think he's a he's incompetent or a complete liability like he was painted maybe at times last year in Toronto. I I I I'd love to see him back on a, on a longer team term deal. I, I think he has a lot to the team. How about Yessi Pulleyarvi 2.0? How impressive has he been for you making his return to the NHL? Well, huge surprise to me because I really had no expectations for him going into the season. And I don't mean that I thought he would do bad. I just literally didn't know what to expect. And I didn't want to make predictions because I, because look, we, we got to be honest here. I think there was a possibility that Yessi Pulleyarvi was going to play three to five games and be finished. If he was, if he just couldn't hack it, you know, or if he just didn't take any steps forward, but that's, he, he's fun to watch play because he's starting to use his speed and his size more to his advantage. I thought he looked a little nervous at times earlier in the season, fumbling pucks and maybe not putting the proper touch on pucks when he was trying to make a pass. But now all those things have, have improved and, and I think he can still get better. And I remember, you know, Stoffer always used to say with, with Leon Dreisaitl earlier in his career, he doesn't know how good he could be. And I wonder if that's a little bit of the case with Pugliarvi, that his confidence had been, you know, rattled or if not shattered, quite frankly, when it came to playing in the NHL. And then he's back and he's, he's just trying to make the team. I, I mean, think about that. Like how many NHL guys, I mean, sure, if you're on a PTO, but I mean, we, we say during training camp, yeah, there's a battle for spots, but usually – 17 or 18 of the spots are accounted for already, but like he was pretty much trying to stay in the NHL and then he was able to do it. And now I think he's starting to realize, Oh, okay, wait, I, I can do this. Like I, 
that's an area of the ice I could get to. I know I can get to the front of the net if I use my size and speed well. And I think that's kind of the fun thing watching him this year is not just the success and the goals is you see those little moments where it's, you know, like a cartoon and he's got the light bulb over his head <laughs> and he realizes like, Oh yeah, I am that good. I can go get that guy. I can make this pass. So he's been pretty fun to watch. No, you can be optimistic here. You can be pessimistic if you want. But what do you think the ceiling is for a guy like JP? Because, I mean, like you said, there's the flashes. He's starting to put it together. He's obviously got the size. How good can he be? Well, I think he can be a 20-goal man over an 82-game season. Absolutely. It's kind of funny, though, because he was more the setup guy, right, when he was when he was drafted. And now I think in the NHL he might be more of the the net front finisher type guy. I mean, he only has three assists and I'm not like putting down his playmaking ability, but the, the plays he's made, he's made has been more goal scoring plays. So, you know what? And maybe that's the next step for him. Maybe he will get more assists, but, but I think that eventually he's going to be the net front guy on the power play. I hear from a, that's probably one of the themes this year in terms of feedback from listeners is, is why is Jesse not ahead of chase on a Neil on the net front power play. I still think they're trying to shelter the expectations for him a little bit. And I do think Chase on a Neil do some things pretty well down low. So I think that's the next step for Pugliarvi. So if, you know, a couple of years from now, he's the net front guy and maybe becomes a better playmaker. I mean, could he be a guy, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to overhype him and, and be like, he's going to be 70, 80 points, but could he be a guy that's, you know, 20 goals, 30 assists, you know, a nice solid 50 points, helps forecheck uh, is a presence in front of the net. I, I think that's realistic from what I've seen so far this season. I want to ask you about the goaltending now, and I've, I've had a few people on the podcast here who are big fans of Staylock think that he could uh, surpass Miko Koskin as perhaps that backup goalie, but let's just say look into your crystal ball a month here. What do you think the Oilers' goaltending situation looks like? I, I think he. I, I think there's a very good chance that Staylock could surpass Koskinen, or at least, or at least get a serious opportunity to. I mean, just look at how they've used the goalie since Mike Smith has come back. Now, Mike Smith has earned the playing time because other than a couple games, I think you would rate every one of Smith's starts very good or or excellent. I know he got pulled against Winnipeg and, yeah, against Toronto, a lot of goals against, but I think that was as much on the team as as just the goaltender. So they're, they're, they're leaning towards Smith. I mean, it's nothing like a 2-2 two and two or a 50-50 split like last year. And... I, I think the team seems to be play a little more confident under Smith. They don't fall behind as much under Smith, despite that game in Vancouver where he gave up that odd goal. And he helps him get the puck out because of his puck moving. And Staylock also has that ability. He, he wanders a lot and he plays the puck. He's not as good at playing it, but he'll get out there and try to do it. So I, I really think Staylock, if he's healthy, and that's a big if, given that he hasn't played this year and he had the myocarditis, which I mean, you got to you got to factor that in. This might not just be easy for him to bounce back and and get in game shape. But they they didn't acquire him as a safe only as a safety net. I think they acquired him to play, and he's under contract for next year, which is a big sign to me that they're they're pretty serious about giving Staylock a look. Koskinen is interesting because look, I, he's, he's trying, like he, he battles there. This isn't that, you know, he's negligent or apathetic or anything like that. And even that other game against Ottawa, like horrible first goal against. And then you look at the end of the night and says, well, 
winning goaltender, 26 out of 28. That's actually a pretty good night, but I think it's the feeling he creates in the net, and I know a lot of fans get nervous watching him because sometimes I do because the puck's hitting him and he's not sure where it's going or he looks like he loses his net a bit. I'm sort of meandering here, but the short answer is yes. I, I think Staylock is going to be a challenger for playing time. Absolutely. Oh, Reed, really appreciate this. Just a couple more questions for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of Oilers fans riding high right now coming off a 7-1 victory where Leon Dry settled as five points. Things are good. But just a week ago, the Oilers coming off a 6-1 loss, the Maple Leafs. Things are good right now. But from what you've seen, have they corrected any of the mistakes that we saw when they had that three-game losing streak to Toronto? That's hard to say um, because I think a lot of the things that looked like they weren't working against Toronto were, were things that the Leafs were doing to them. I, I mean, look, when we get to the end of the regular season, the Leafs might tell you those are the best three games they played. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if we'll have a true indication of those things being corrected or addressed until they play Toronto again, or until they get into a playoff series with Toronto, which I hope happens because it would likely be in the second round. So yeah, I, I hesitate to say that the, the shortcomings that Toronto took advantage of have been corrected um, because I think Toronto found a style to check McDavid that, that really worked. And, and I think we saw, the the discrepancy in the quality of the third lines. I mean, Toronto's depth guys were as big a factor in winning those games as as Marner and and some of the other big guys. I know Matthews only played one game, but uh, but but as, but as some of those guys. So I'm not going to go that far, but I but I think the Oilers were a little embarrassed by it, and, and they've come back with a bit of a vengeance out of that. I I I just look forward to the next meeting against the Leafs. I mean, that's the back and forth of of a season. I'm with you there. Reed, final question for you. At your particular blockbuster location, what was the most popular movie? Oh, that is a good question. I actually, <laughs> well, I worked at four different stores. Oh, okay. <laughs> so across those four stores then, like yeah, Star I mean, Wars so, or was I, it? <laughs> I mean, I was there when Titanic came out on video, so that was huge. I was there when Braveheart came out on video. Those were huge. Uh, I mean, you know, not nothing in stock for for weeks, especially Braveheart. I, I seem to remember, like, I was at the Strathcona Blockbuster when Braveheart came out, and I think we got 40 copies, and it was the double VHS, right? So it was yeah. the two tape cases put together, uh, and it was, like, never in, and people were always asking for it, and, they would, and people wanted to buy it, and it wasn't readily available for, for sale yet. So though I think some people spent, like, 120 bucks to special order it before it came out wide. Can you imagine that? Spending, like, over $100 to... Special order VHS tapes of this day and age, and I think for older movies, um, honestly, probably Top Gun and Raiders of the Lost Ark were the really? two o- older movies that got the most requests, especially on on long weekends and holidays. Did, did a lot of people just keep the movies? No, actually, that was pretty rare for really? my experience. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the movies would come back late. You, you, you'd lose. You did, sometimes people would would uh, would keep the movies though, and then they'd have you know they'd get sent to collections or whatever, um, because they you know you'd have fifteen days of unpaid late fees. I, I remember one day though working at the Strathcona store, this gentleman walked in and he was carrying like a VHS machine, and we had them in these blue kind of plastic shell cases to protect them. And he flashed a police badge, and he's like, "Hey, I'm so and so from." whatever department and we uh you know we raided this place and found all the all this stolen material and stuff and 
we think this uh, machine belongs to you guys. And I was, you know, so I look it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that machine was like rented. It was a long time ago, like over six months. And I said, oh, yeah, that was rented and never returned. And the guy and the cop was like, yeah, you know, the guy was a criminal. He's been charged with all this stuff. Had your machine. Here it is. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you've got so many stories. I think I was guilty of holding on to Road Rash for Nintendo 64 a little longer than I should have. Uh, Reed, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we can get you on again uh, in the future here. Thanks for asking me. Excellent stuff from Reed Wilkins, the host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey on 630. Chad, give him a follow on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. And I find it very cool that he worked at Blockbuster. It's been a long time since I've even thought about Blockbuster, and uh, there were some good memories there. Friday, Saturday night, convince your dad or mom to take you there. Take about an hour to select the movie or video game that you wanted to rent for the weekend. Good times, and uh, I'm sure... Down the road, if we get Reed back on, we'll have some more questions for him about his time wearing the blue and yellow at Blockbuster. Right now, though, let's talk a little bit about the Oilers' opponent on Friday night as we are joined by Michaela Schreider. She is a co-host of That's What She Said on TSN 1200 out in Ottawa. You can give her a follow on Twitter at Shreeds. Michaela, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Connor. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing very good, and I really appreciate you uh, spending some time here with me on the other Connor podcast. Uh, of course, the Edmonton Oilers and the Ottawa Senators in the midst of a three-game series. I do have to ask you first, that's what she said, one of the greatest names for a radio show. How did you guys come up with that one? Is it is it related to The Office? Yes, yeah, somewhat. So I have to give full credit to uh, Ian Mendez, who was with TSN 1200 at the time. And, you know, we had been <laughs> tossing around some ideas. We knew that Shyla and I were going to get our get our own show on TSN. And we had been tossing around some ideas for names. And, and Ian just kind of jokingly said, you know, we could call it something like that's what she said and just, you know, play into the fact that obviously you're both women. And we laughed about it. And then it was kind of one of those moments of, ha, huh, oh, no, that actually kind of works. And we, we just went with it. And, uh, you know, th- there's a very uh, well-known podcast in the States called That's What She Said that is run by Sarah Spain. And we've actually had her on the show uh, once to, to, to make sure that she's okay with it. And she is. We, we've got full approval on her end. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's I love the name. Um, I think it, uh, it encapsulates, you know, what what we are, and that's two women talking about sports, but also that inject a little bit of humor into it. Yeah, and I've got a chance to listen a few times just through the podcast that I think tsn1200.ca. You guys do a great job. So I really wanted to get you on today to talk about the Ottawa Senators. And, uh, you know, th- there's some parallels between these two franchises. Of course, the Sens going through a rebuild. The Oilers did it for a long time. I wanted to ask you now, you're in the business, you're on social media, you know what the fan base has gone through. It reminds me of what the Oilers went through, like I said, just a lot of struggles. But, you know, if you can kind of try to sum up how a fan base feels, like like what stage are they in right now with the rebuild? That's a, it's a really interesting time for Suns fans because you know coming into the season, I think fans were well aware of what expectations were, and and that is basically zero, right? There are no expectations for this season. This was about the development of young players. This was about making sure that prospects and, and basically all players on the team because by and large, aside from the veterans that they brought in, you know, they're still trying to figure out exactly what this core is going to look like going forward. And so those players taking a step in the right direction. And it wasn't about wins and losses. It wasn't about points. They, I think Sens fans knew completely that this was not going to be a playoff year. 
and they had accepted that going in. And what that's created is this kind of perfect time in a rebuild because there's no expectations, but Sens fans do get to have a look at what the future is going to be. You know, they, they get to watch Tim Stutzla and, and Josh Norris and obviously Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat continue to move forward in their development. And it's, it's this weird, like this will only ever happen, and I'm sure the Oilers had this at, at one point, this will only ever happen for one season, but it's this weird perfect storm of there are no expectations, so no matter how bad you are, fans are still having fun. And when they win, it's just like this pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, for the Oilers, I mean, it lasted a long time. I think the Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle rookie year, it was okay. And then after that, it got very old very quickly. And uh, it, it kind of turned the fan base toxic, even to the point with this year where there's still some skepticism, even though things are starting to look a little bit better. Um, you, you mentioned some of the young names there. And, uh, you know, Kachuk is a guy who I think stands out and Oilers fans, very familiar with that family. Matthew Kachuk been a thorn in the side for the Oilers for a long time. Does Brady have that type of game in him as well? Absolutely. Um, he's one of those players where unless he plays for your team, you despise him. But what I like about Brady Kachuk is, is he, he has a really good balance in his game where not only is he a thorn in the side of the opponent, but he's also an incredibly productive player. You know, he, he sets up shop in front of the net and he's just going to make life a living hell for your goalie, for your defenders. And he's probably going to put the puck in the net a few times as well. Um, he's, he's won the admiration of some of the younger players. He and, and Tim Stutzler are, are roommates, for example, and you can see their kind of their bromance has really taken Sun fans by storm and been a, a favorite storyline uh, for the season. But you know, he's he's really developed into this this leader, and and that's shown in his relationship with the younger players. But he he balances that that being a pest while also being an incredibly productive offensive player for the Suns. On the blue line, Thomas Shabbat, one of the best young players in the NHL, but maybe doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Obviously, playing on a team that's going through the rebuild, not maybe the biggest marquee market. For those who aren't too familiar with Thomas Shabbat, what kind of player is he, and, and how good can he become? Yeah, Thomas Shabbat is a special player. He's he's got that offensive flair to his game where you know he can he can take a puck in the, in the depths of his own zone and just create an offensive opportunity where his his team is storming out of the zone and, and next thing you know they're they're uh, creating havoc for for the opponents in their own zone like he he turns things around very quickly um, he's also got a patience and a calmness in his game that I think for for a young team in particular brings a lot of value because you know you, you tend to things you know you go down by a goal or two you start gripping the stick a little too tight you start overthinking your game and Shabbat's just got this very calming presence on the ice that I feel like he slows everything down he allows people to get in the positions they need to be in and he allows his team to to create offensive opportunities from from basically anywhere he's you know I know a lot of Suns fans, a lot of fans throughout the league would probably make the comparison of Eric Carlson just because you think offensive defenseman in the Suns, you think Eric Carlson. And, you know, I don't want to compare him to Carlson because he's a different player, but he, he obviously brings that, that quarterbacking um, offensive defenseman 
aspect to the Suns game, and, and he's, he's just so much fun to watch. So we talked about Shabbat and Kachakas. Dutzla, another guy who I think, you know, Oilers fans have seen it, I've seen it, you've seen it. The guy's got the offensive flair for sure. But who else do you think, you know, maybe in the system or even on the team right now will be counted on for this rebuild to be successful? I think someone who has really come into... I don't want to say he's coming to his own, but he's certainly shown up as one of the most dependable players on the ice is Nick Paul. He came over in the Jason Spezza trade years ago, and and there's been a lot of questions about Nick Paul for the last couple of years. You know, what kind of player is he going to be? He got sent up and down from the minors, you know, repeatedly. And, you know, we're now seeing, I think, the the player that we've been waiting to see from him, and that is an incredibly uh, dominant player on the puck. He protects the puck so well. He makes things happen around him. He's very much a, uh, you know, one of those players who makes players around him better. And he's become, I think, one of the most productive forwards for the Sens this year. And, and another forward who I, I just absolutely love watching, and that happens to be because he plays with Kachuk and, and, and uh, uh, sorry, uh, Stutzler and Batherson a lot, is Josh Norris. Um, Josh Norris is, you know, there's a lot of questions with the sense of who's going to be the number one center, and and Josh Norris is certainly making a case for that this year. Uh, he's incredibly skilled. He's very fast, and he's just for for me. He's, every time the Sens make a have a um, you know an offensive surge, or every time there's a Sens scoring chance, I feel like Josh Norris is just right there. Uh, so those those are two players who, for for me, I, I just love watching this season. How about uh, Matt Murray between the pipes? Obviously, the team gave him a big contract this past off season, and you know, playing in front of a team that is still developing can be an issue. But is there confidence among the fan base, the media, and maybe even the team that you know he can still be the guy for them going forward? I think there's a little like, there's cautious optimism with Matt Murray because there are there have been games this season where we've seen almost exactly the kind of the, the Matt Murray that we wanted to see right when he came to town and, and he got a sizable contract uh, from the Sens and, and Sens fans have, have kind of seen flashes of that incredibly calm and just dominant goaltender and who, who can make a difference in games for you. We've seen those games from Matt Murray this season. Unfortunately, we've also seen some not so great games. Um, a lot of questions around Matt Murray's game when he came to this team was, you know, yeah, he won two Stanley Cups and, and was a huge part of especially the first one with, with Pittsburgh. But he has also been riddled with injuries and inconsistencies ever since. And we've seen that Matt Murray as well, unfortunately. I, it, 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 it's unfortunate because right as he was, I feel, on an upswing, he got injured earlier this season. He's come back from that, and I, I think it's just about kind of refinding his feet. I think we've seen at times exactly the kind of goaltender the Sens are going to need from Murray. I think we just need to see it on a more consistent basis. Mark Mathot, a former member of the Ottawa Senators, turned some heads when he said in three years, Ottawa will have a much better team than Toronto, won't even be close. Now, is that a guy hyping up his new podcast and trying to get some clicks, or do you think there's some truth to that? Well, I'll be honest. I, I feel like that is one of the see what I what I how I back this up on our <laughs> latest episode of the podcast <laughs> situation. You know, listen, Mark Mathot is is obviously um, you know entering this, career, this this phase of his career as a broadcaster, and he's doing a fantastic job. And I think that you know I, I think part of that was here's a hot take. Come see how I back it up. And and honestly, if that's if that's how you're going to attract people to listen, I'm all ears. Because I think that was great. 
Yeah, I was a big fan of it, and you know, as of yet, haven't got a chance to uh, go listen, but definitely will. And you know, I, I like the Senators team for sure. I guess you know, going forward, the Maple Leafs team, there could be some issues with cap space. So who knows? It could happen. Just with the sense this season so far, obviously there's been some bright spots, but when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, it's been a tough matchup for them. What do the Oilers do that make it tough for the Sens to squeak out one of those wins? Uh, well, I think a big part of it is they have a guy by the name of Leon Dreisaitl and another guy by the name of Connor McDavid who just seem to love to play against the Ottawa Senators. And um, after, I believe it was Monday night's game, the 3-2 loss of win for Edmonton, uh, I, I tweeted something to the effect of, you know, any game that doesn't result in a highlight real goal from Connor McDavid on your team is a win, in my opinion. And then, I, you know, Two days later, Leon Dreisaitl scores a hat trick, and, and the Sens get uh, bounced seven to one by the Oilers. So I think I, I should have remembered to include Dreisaitl in that. But you know, I, I think it's just those two players in particular. They're so hot right now. Obviously, they move back together on on the line, and and I, I think that the Sens just listen. It's a young team. They're they're going to run into situations where hey, you got to play some of the most talented players in the world, and you got to find a way to contain them. And the Sens just haven't been able to do that. And, you know, all, re- all due respect to, to Thomas Shabbat, I think this defensive core is just not up to the challenge right now of, of you know, standing up to, to two players who are as dominant as Dreisaitl and McDavid are. Michaela Schreider joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast, host of TSN 1200 out in Ottawa, part of That's What She Said. And uh, just a couple more for you, Michaela. Really appreciate you doing this tonight. Uh, just your thoughts on the Oilers from afar. And do you think that, you know, they could be a team that could contend with the Maple Leafs? Or do you think the Leafs might just have uh, too strong of a team? I'm really interested to see what's going to happen here because, you know, you mentioned the struggles of the Oilers and it, it's been it's been years of, uh, you know, will they or won't they? And will they finally get over the hump? And will they finally be a dominant team? They've got the best, let's call it spade a spade. They've got the best player in the world on their team, followed by a incredibly talented um, offensive just juggernaut in Leon Dreisaitl. And you, you have to think that eventually just those two things alone will will help them get over the hump in the playoffs. And, and this year is going to be, a, I think, a, a, a particular challenge for them because it also, unfortunately, they happen to be in a division with the Leafs who are, I, I, I don't want to say equally, I think they are overall a little better on the offensive side just in terms of overall depth um, uh, at the forward position. But at the same time, we've seen this Leafs team struggle against teams that they absolutely should not be struggling against, right? They tend to play down to their opponent a bit. And let's not forget, they're untested in the playoffs because as good as they've been in the regular season, it always comes down to, but can you do it in the playoffs? And and the Leafs, need, the Leafs are at a, a huge turning point right now in, the, in their um, their future in, in, in that they need to show that they can win the playoffs. And could the Edmonton Oilers maybe capitalize on that pressure? I think that's a huge opportunity for Edmonton. I think a lot of Oilers fans will be happy to hear that, Michaela. And a final question <laughs> for you. Send sickos. I just saw this pop up on Twitter. What are the send sickos? Oh, man. I, 
how much time do you have? <laughs> as much as you need. There's, there's a lot of backstory uh, to the sense that goes. It, essentially, it's an it's kind of an inside joke uh, with Sens fans uh, that, that popped up this season. And for for those of your listeners who subscribe to the Athletic, Ian Mendez wrote a, a very good summary piece on what the Sens that goes is and how it came to be. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out because he does a much better job than I'm going to of, of summarizing it. But essentially, it, it became this kind of running joke because throughout this season like I, like I said like most Sens fans are comfortable with the fact that their team is not going to do very well and and just happy to get the wins that they can get but what started happening is, is the Sens were were winning some pretty big games against some pretty big opponents you know there was the it was 5-1 eventually 6-5 total, uh, final score comeback against Toronto um, they they had a, a string of games against Calgary where they just very recently uh, where they managed to um, cause a little bit of an existential crisis. Montreal fired their head coach after uh, losing to the Sens two games in a row. The, the Sens are one of those teams where you know you should beat them, and if you don't, it causes an absolute spiral in your fan base and in your organization and. and that's kind of happened this year, and the Sensico is kind of this persona that fans have taken on of, of taking absolute pleasure in in watching the the misery that comes from losing to, to your team in your opponent. You know, like it, it, it was. I think it was uh, a couple Sens fans on Twitter, and I, and I, I apologize. I know one was Brochensky on Twitter, and I can't remember who the other one was, but they took this cartoon of like this. Uh, just a stick figure with this gr- evil grin and they put him in a Sens jersey and out every time the Sens beat a team they shouldn't have which is let's face it every team <laughs> they, they would share this cartoon of the Sens sicko who just you know, relishes in the chaos that's created from the Sens beating their team so all that is a very long-winded way to explain. It's an inside joke with Sens fans that even I'm trying to wrap my head around. But it, it's kind of a, a prime example of just how much fun Sens fans have had with this season. <laughs> Social media has brought a lot of bad things, but that is not one of them. I, I'm all for They should have fun <laughs> with this. And in my opinion, they've got a very bright future down the road. Mikhail, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast today. Take care, and hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Thanks, Connor. I appreciate you having me on. That is Michaela Schreider, the co-host of That's What She Said, TSN 1200, out in Ottawa. If you want to give her a listen, they do a great job on the show podcast up at tsn1200.ca. And that is going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to our guest today, Michaela Schreider, co-host of That's What She Said on TSN 1200 out in Ottawa. Reed Wilkins the host of Inside Sports and Oilers Hockey on 630 Chad. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Reed Wilkins. Coming up on the next edition of the show, it'll drop Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast from. We're going to be recapping a busy weekend for the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Let me know what you think of this show, anything you think I can improve on. And of course, if there's anyone out there you think I should try to get on the podcast, I will do my best to do so. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Sign up today and make sure you use the code word THPN. That's THPN. Unlocks a bunch of cool prizes for you. So check it out, DraftKings. It's a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Other Connor Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.